0: As we embark upon week number two of breakdown or breakthrough, and the kids are dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel. (laughs) Pastor Luke, could you tell him? Could you see my wife real quick, Pastor Luke? Thank you. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'll tell you, I have really enjoyed studying the life of David. Not that I haven't before. I just I'm want to get rid of this thing today. Um, only because, uh, I think that in the life of David, he truly really exhibits all of us, what we go through, you know, our daily lives, the obstacles, the sin, the things that we face in the workplace, not just uh, you know, within our families, but it's truly a life of struggle. Um, many times people will say to me, Pastor, where do you want me to start reading as I open up the word? And um, you turn me down a little bit. It, I always tell them, Go to Psalms. And to me, the Psalm, as we read it, and so many of them come from the heart of David as a, a way of prayer and uplifting and encouragement and edification. And so. When you know that someone has gone through a trial, the first thing you want to do is what? You want to uplift them and you want to encourage them. But there's one thing that all of us have in common with the one that just went through tribulation and through those trials. We've all been there and we can relate. That's the difference between the life of David versus So many other characters in the Bible. I like it because as I look into the Psalms, I know that I have been in the same place. Even in the scriptures where it says that we can take refuge in him. He's our shelter in the time of a storm. And so David faced that. And so as we do week two of breakdown or breakthrough, I just want you to take your Bible real quick and turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. Verse 22, and we're going to start off today's message with this text and this verse, Acts 13, verse 22, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, hold on just a minute. So, here is the introduction. Here's where we're beginning. And it says right now that God said that I have found favor with David, a man after my heart, a guy that I can trust in, a guy who will become my confidant. We have this relationship. And I trust in him. Now hold on a minute. And it begins with this. And he will do everything I ask him to do. Profound, isn't it? Wait a minute. I thought David was a character from the Old Testament. But yet, in Acts, God makes reference back to a man that struggled. A man that had adversity. A man that went to a place of mourning. A man that, as we read last week, went to Ziklag and and went to a place where he said, I'm going to escape. I want to get away from God, from the influences. And that's what so many of us have a tendency to do. And so I want you to just stop this morning. And right now, as you think about this morning's message... Where was your breakdown that brought you to your breakthrough? Where was the place that you found Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Where was that moment of hope that you found God? You know where it was at. You remembered that moment. You remembered the excitement. Do you remember that as soon as you became born again, just the desire that you had to do everything that God asked you to do? But where do we lose heart? What happens? Because of our sinful nature, because of the journeys that we choose to take in our life, we lose perspective. And we have to go back to those moments And remember what God has done for us. Even when we feel we have lost our way. I want you to place yourself in David's sandals for just a moment. You were told as a teenager that you were going to be the next king of Israel. The old man of God came and anointed you for that office. His name was Samuel. The next thing you know, you're in the royal palace playing and singing for one of the most powerful men of all time. And his name was King Saul. Like a whirlwind, one activity after another took place in your life that brought you to a national prominence. You killed Goliath with a single stone thrown in your sling. You were promoted in the army and made the captain over a thousand men. Then you got married to the king's daughter and were best friends with Jonathan, the king's son. It seemed that every event in your life was bringing you ever closer to the day that you would step up and claim the throne of the land as your own. Then this began to happen. Cracks began to appear. And the perfectly constructed life that you enjoyed so much. You fell out of favor with the king and he even tried to kill you. Your relationship with your wife came to an end. And you could no longer fellowship with your best friend Jonathan. You were demoted and lost your position in the army. And the next thing you know, you are a fugitive running for your very life from an insane king is determined to take your life. Yet even as you run from your enemy. You continue to carry yourself well. You spare his life when the opportunity to kill him. Is virtually handed to you. You show compassion when dealing with others. You could have destroyed out of a hand. You even continue to seek God's direction for your life. Believing that someday his promises for your life. Will all be fulfilled and one day something changes you get up you awake as usual but somehow the world is differently today for the first time it looks like god may have forgotten who you are he forgot all about you what you've gone through it looks like your enemies will eventually prevail You become discouraged, disillusioned, and find yourself trapped in the pit of hopelessness. Well, while you're in that state of despair, you make a foolish decision that alters the course of your life. Brings you troubles that you could have never imagined and leaves you broken spiritually. And that, in a nutshell, is the life of David up to this point. David was on the fast track to the kingdom. Now he is a fugitive on the run. Our text this morning in 1 Samuel talks about that David was hunted, he was hounded, and he was haunted. He is defeated, he is discouraged, and he is depressed. While he is in that condition, he makes a foolish decision that will produce some very serious consequences in his life. And so David decided to give up on God's plan for his life. He decided that somehow God must have forgotten about him. He decided that God's plan for his life had failed. David took his own life in his own hands and began to live for himself As he wanted to live. And as I think about this stage of life. Of David. I see him. In a portrait of many believers. That I've met over the years. David pictures people who have been saved by the grace of God. Who began their walk with God. but Somewhere along the way. Things didn't go as they envisioned. And now, you and they have become defeated, disillusioned, and discouraged. In their weakened spiritual condition, they made a terrible decision that had terrible consequences in their lives. And instead of staying close to the Lord and following His will for their lives, they chose to walk away from God. And live lives of carnality and compromise. They made a tragic decision and paid a high price. They made a tragic decision and paid a high price. Today I want to preach on the thought when smart people make foolish decisions. I would like to take David's life and point out where we go wrong in the decisions We make in life what we can expect when we make those decisions and how we can pick up the pieces and move on with God And this morning, I will be making three observations As we look into the verses today and think about when smart people make foolish decisions So if you'll take your bible and turn to first samuel chapter 27 first samuel 27 verse 1 Psalm 27 verse 1, and, and last week I gave you a platform as what David was going through. I'll make reference to it. I don't like to go backwards to go forward, but what we'll do is we will we'll make this uh, relate to all of us and applicable for each and every one of our lives as we figure out how we too can overcome these areas of disillusionment, discouragement, abandonment, feeling a sense of defeat. In our walk with Christ. Before we, we go into this text, by a show of hands, have you ever felt a little bit defeated, disillusioned, abandoned? I've been there. I have felt it. And I want you to know, church, that you can rise up. You can stand up with victory because God is on your side. He's never left you. He's not abandoned you. He loves you and he cares for you. So as we read in, in chapter 27, verse 1, let me just pray quickly. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll speak through me today as we look at the points that you've set forth for us in this text. Lord, help me to be clear, precise, and speak what you want spoken. Lord, hide me behind the cross today in the shadows of who you are. And, Lord, I just pray that we'll all understand and walk away feeling a sense of hope in a world that offers no hope. Lord, we love you and we worship you. And, Lord, we thank you for this text this morning as we speak about a man that you said, did everything that you asked, and was a man after your heart. In your name we pray. Amen. So here we are. 1 Samuel chapter 27 verse 1. But David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. The best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Then Saul will stop hunting for me in the Israelite territory, and I will finally be safe. So I made that part of my text last week, but now we're going to move forward. Three things that we noticed here. David trusted the wrong confidant. Two, David believed the wrong counsel. And three, David reached the wrong conclusion. So we notice here that David is pictured having a conversation with himself. Instead of turning to God in prayer as he had so often done, David turns to himself for counsel. The advice he receives from himself is anything but wise. We have a tendency to talk to ourselves. And when we start talking to ourselves, things really get all messed up. Not only when you start talking to yourself, everybody around you starts thinking, you have lost your mind. But I like talking to myself. But talking to yourself can get you in some deep, deep trouble. And that's what happened to David. So David believed in this counsel that he was seeking. And it said when David communed with his heart, he immediately forgot all the great promises which the Lord had made to him. God had promised David that he would be king. Promised to that promise had been confirmed by Jonathan, by Abigail, and even by Saul. Yet all these great promises are forgotten when David begins to listen to his own heart. David even thinks that he knows what will happen out there in the future. should have known that God is a sovereign God who is total control of all things past, present, and future. Remember the little engine that could, I think. What I loved about that, probably, I remember as a little kid, I I used to watch The Little Engine That Could. And uh, what's the train show that's on TV? Thomas the Train. And I remember they did one of the series on there that he said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And he started convincing himself, well, you can do whatever you want, however you want to talk to yourself. But I want you to know this. It says I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. Be careful that when you start talking to yourself, that all of a sudden the little engine that could, the steam started to run out. But what God is trying to say to each and every one of us is this. Listen, if you'll listen to me, I will empower you and you'll be able to accomplish things you never thought or imaginable. So here David started believing the wrong counsel. He started talking to himself and said, here's what I'm going to do. The same Goliath and giant that I took down is the same place I'm going to take residence in. I'm going to go hang out in the Philistine territory. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you go hang out with your enemies? Well, because all of a sudden you start taking residence your own counsel, and you start admitting to yourself, it's okay. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but David reached the wrong conclusions. You see, because David listened to his heart, he chose to abandon the path life God had placed in him for all those years. He decided that he would be better Off fleeing to the land of the philistines where he thought he would be safe from king saul Imagine the future king of israel running to the arch enemies of god to beg for help That's the kind of trouble david's heart got him into And this morning I just want to encourage each and every one of you and challenge you to be very very careful of trusting your own heart when we consult the heart, we will get in touch with our human nature. Our old human nature is fallen. It always looks at things at an earthly level. When people say, well, I feel it in my heart, they're usually headed for trouble. That is why the Bible cautions us against trusting his heart. And we'll go into it this morning. We have a lot to cover. Jeremiah 17, 9, Proverbs twenty eight twenty six. Ecclesiastes 9.3, Mark 7.21 and 22. When you talk to yourself, be sure to talk to yourself about the things of God. But I do want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. In 19 and 20, it says this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit says this. It produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we see this here. And yet we have to be careful because when someone says, just listen to your heart, what is your heart telling you to do? They can... Give you advice that can lead you to spiritual wreck and ruin If you are foolish enough to follow it Oh, follow your heart I speak of five components in marriage counseling Financial, spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical And as I'm sitting down with man and woman We have to go over the emotional component But God is Gave woman to man and man to woman so that man can lead. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 to submit to one another in the fear of God. But it's to – men, listen, take a step. It's there to protect your wife. Give great counsel because sometimes emotionally and mentally women will get bound up and, and just start thinking not as logical. But I'm not just blaming the women. I'm blaming the men. Because here was David who decided to get emotionally attached to himself. I can't do this. Even though I was 15 years old and I took down that giant, I just can't do it anymore. Got upset. I'm like, really? You're a crybaby. Watch trusting your heart. Because here's what will happen. Your heart will say things like this to you. Oh, this church is dead. Listen, you don't need to go. These people don't even like you. God is being unfair to you. You would be better off if you just stayed home or just went somewhere else. Listen, that preacher is mean and selfish. You're really missing out. There's nothing wrong with living it up every now and then. God doesn't even care about you. He did; these things would not be happening to you. Listen, just once, just one time, won't hurt. Just a little won't even matter. You get the picture. And he says, in all these things, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Your heart will trick you deceive you lie to you and lead you down the wrong path of life If you listen to your heart, you will find yourself where david found himself out of god's will Out of god's place for his life and out of god's fellowship If you listen to your heart, you will find yourself living a life of spiritual compromise and you will find yourself a backslider on the outs with god and visiting a place called ziklag in the enemy's territory in a city and in a place that won't bring love joy peace kindness gentleness we have to be very very careful david made wrong decisions because he listened to his heart and it led him astray be careful church be careful my friends some are heading in that same direction today. One, the reason for David's decision was he listened to his heart. Two, the result of David's decision. We won't go back through, I know some of you weren't here last week, but 1 Samuel chapter 27. But I'll just make reference because I want to move over to 30 here in just a minute, to chapter 30. When you think that your decisions do not affect somebody else, they will always affect those around you because you are loved. Because those people care for you. When you make a decision for righteousness, people will leave you. People will abandon you. I don't know what it is in the church anymore. When you start Making people accountable or speak unrighteousness, turn from your wicked ways so that God can hear your prayer from heaven and heal your life. People don't want that today. It's all about, let's just make it about today you can do all the things you set your mind to. I can't do anything without Christ. But here's what happened. The result of David's decision was that the people in his life were affected by that decision. Because of the foolish decision that David made, everyone whose life touched that of David was affected as well. All 600 of his men and their families, his own wives and children, everyone around David was brought down by his decision. And all of those people were brought into a place of compromise and yet brought into a place of temptation because one man listened to his heart instead of listening to the Lord. Romans fourteen seven it says this for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. Here's basically what this means. That everything we do in our lives touches those around us. When a husband or a wife steps out of God's will it affects their marriage. When one or both parents refuse to live by God's standards it has an impact on their children. People at school at work and at church are touched by the way we live our lives. Because we never know who is watching or who might be hindered when we give in to the advice of the heart and walk away from God. But remember, there is a price to pay for touching others in a negative manner. Be careful what advice you take. Be careful what you listen to. Oh, pastor, just just know this. It's not worth it. You don't make a difference for anybody. You ought to just resign. You want to put up with that nonsense? Listen, you've already lost some loved ones. Go ahead. Keep it up. You'll lose them all. Who am I listening to? I'm listening to the enemy. I'm listening to the influence of the enemy. I'm here to tell you, church, you stand firm. Stand strong. Because God's about ready to do something great in your life. And that's why all of this is starting to come down on you harder than you ever thought it would. I have loved those moments when I have felt like I was in a valley. I give this illustration. When you're on a mountain, and, and when I'm counseling folks, I'll say, you know, those mountaintops to experiences are great. It's almost like, do you know when you're at Cedar Point, and I don't want to be there at Cedar Point anymore? For all you Cedar Point followers and lovers, John and Jody, my girls, Pat and Cindy, you guys go ride those roller coasters. You go to the almost touching the clouds in the sky. Because I'd scream like a girl, pass out, die. I don't know. I'm just not up for that stuff anymore. I I respect you for your level of courage. But you know that feeling when you get to the top? I remembered it as a kid. You get up there and it's going real slow. But why can't they just like shoot you to the top? Because when I'm in something that's going like this and it's taking me upward, all I'm seeing is the sky and I'm afraid of heights. And I know that when I get to the top, i got to look down. Now – that doesn't do too well with my belly. It doesn't do too well with my head. It doesn't do too well with my soul. Because when Jesus raptures me out of here, I'm not. I'm going straight up. I'm not coming down. I'm going to tell you all that right now. So I've given up on the Magnum, the Excalibur, ride it in the Skyride, whatever they're called. I don't even know anymore. I haven't been there for a year. Thank, praise the Lord, I became a senior pastor. See, when I was a youth pastor, I always took kids there. And I'd give them a wave and you know, all that kind of stuff. But I can't do it now because when I get off, I get seasick, emotion sickness. But all right, back to my, my illustration. So you're up there, and it's an exciting thrill. It's a great ride. But as you get closer to the clouds, we get closer to the sun, right? And the sun is just warmth. I mean, you can see over the park. You can, see, you can see perspective. When I was in Chicago, I'd get in some of those buildings and just look out over the city. It was just a beautiful sight to behold. But when we're up there, you know, there's just something that's very calming, and I think that's why you take a slow ride to the top of that roller coaster. But it's when you come down that all of a sudden people scream with terror and fear. I know I've heard it. That isn't, that isn't exciting for me. It's they're screaming for fear and terror. Be true to yourself this morning. Don't listen to your heart. Just kidding. Anyhow, so as you come down, all of a sudden you hit that bottom part, and then you go, <gasps> and it kind of levels out or decides to shoot you off some other direction and jar your brain and all kinds of crazy stuff. But I realized this that even in the valley even though we're far away from the distance of that sun and the warmth and the clouds and the scenery. People will say I'm sorry I know you're in the I know that right now you're kind of in a valley experience. I know this is rough on you, but I always know this, that Jesus is the lily of the valley. And he brings hope when we feel like the sun, which I always make references to the son of God, is far away from us. Know that there's hope. Hope for you. Hope for your life. See, the pattern of David's life was affected. Not only did David's decision affect the people around him, the very way David lived his life was altered. In other words, his decision to walk away from the Lord changed him completely. Look at some of the things in the Bible reveals about this tragic time. In, in 27, verse 4 says David lived with a sense of false security. He thought he was safe by going to the Philistines. Verse 5 says David sought help and ran with, with, ran, ran with the wrong crowd. He literally aligned himself with the enemy. Then David did things that he never would have done before. He murdered. He lied. He submitted himself to the enemy of God. The whole fabric of David's life was altered by the decision that he made. David stayed with the Philistines for 16 months. We're not talking a week. He hung out with the very people that he hated. Now hold on a minute. He hung out with the very people that God hated. Wait, Pastor, you just told me that he was a man after God's own heart. Oh, he was. And when he was a boy, he did everything. But you see, discouragement and defeat and disillusionment came in his life, and he lost his way. Yet remember, he's still the lily of the valley. And even though he's with the Philistines... And things are taking place. Realize that God is always there. It's also worthy to note that no psalms are attributed to David during this period of his life. It seems, though, that the sweet singer of Israel has lost his voice. There was just nothing to be said. When a believer makes the fatal decision to walk away from the Lord and from the place of blessing, their life will be affected in a negative way. Prove it, Pastor. Oh, but I can. I have watched people walk away and turn to the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups, the addictions. One woman said to me, Why did God take my loved one? I'm done. I'm not serving him. I'm not going. Oh, be careful, church, because I watched her life spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially decline rapidly. You see, the God of the yesterday is the God of today, and he'll be the God of tomorrow. And it took some suffering for David to experience that. Like the prodigal, they will live in a false sense of security. But the backslider is never out of the view of the Lord God, nor is he too far away to avoid chastisement. Turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read this today. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 6 through 12. While you're turning there, I'm going to read up to verse 6 because I just like this text. It's where God disciplines and proves his love toward mankind. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith that is strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And today I'll be reading out of the NLT. And let us run with the endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He's seated at the right hand of God. Think of all the hostility endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Verse 5, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he connects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. (laughs) Hello. uh If you discipline your child, does that mean you hate them? No, you love them. Instruction comes with love. You're raising that little boy, that little girl, that teenager. Maybe some of you are still raising your adult children. I don't know. I didn't throw that in there. But there's always going to be instruction. There's always going to be advice because you're the parent and because you love them regardless. Now watch this in verse 7. As you endure the divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children. It means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. Doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. Better believe that right. I hated spankings. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. So let me ask you, let's make this a little bit personal here. Why is it we don't have the courage to look at people and say, go to God? Go to God, the one that loves you. I know that you have a loved one that has died of cancer. I know you have a loved one that was just killed in an accident I know you have a husband that you love dearly and God took him home but it says this I know you're tired and I know you're weak strengthen your weak knees mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will become strong David had a problem he was falling weak and as we look in the scriptures, what we miss sometimes is that in our weakness, we give up. Man, I want you to do this this morning. Take your elbow lightly and nudge the person next to you. Say, you got this. Gently. Gently. You got this. Encourage him. When you're weak, he will make you strong. I know some of you are tired. Some of you are weary. Working in the ministry is exhausting. Listening to your parents is exhausting. Listening to God is exhausting, yet it's rewarding. So David came to a place where he had to cry out. But be careful when sin encompasses your life. You cannot walk away from God and go off into sin and not be affected. If walking away from the Lord does not alter your life, then I would venture to say that you were not his to begin with. I've watched people suffer. So now we notice the peace of David's life was affected. So go back with me, if you would, please, to 1 Samuel. And I want to read... Just what took place in David's life. So in, in chapter 29, we notice that David has lost his identity. He unites himself with the Philistines to go and do battle with his own people, Israel. But even Philistines do not want him around. They even said, "Get rid of him, he'll turn on us." David reveals the depths to which he has fallen. In chapter 29, it says, David is declared to be a faithful servant of Achish. Why would you follow a pagan god, an enemy of the children of Israel, God's people? Why would you do that? Then we notice that David, in chapter 30, finally reaps the harvest of the wickedness he has sown. And then he loses far more than he could ever imagine. Let's read together. So then David starts to destroy the Amalekites. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could not weep any longer. It says, they lost all they had. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Interesting. Hold on a minute. He once was weak. listened to his own voice. But now all of a sudden in chapter 30, David is now at a place where he starts to do what? Listen to the voice of God. Be careful who you're listening to. Oh, we're going to stone you. Don't you think David all of a sudden could have become very fearful and afraid and said, I'm out of here. But yet, it says here, he said, hold on a minute. But David found strength in the Lord his God. In verse 7, then he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook Bezor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook, so David continued the pursuit with 400 men. I love this text. We started off with 27 people. My wife read a text in 2012. There was 255 people in this sanctuary. Is there 255 people here today? There isn't. But here's what he said. I'm going to do what I came out to do. I'm going to do what I came out to do. I'm going to do what I came out to do. I'm going to do what I came out to do. It doesn't matter. See, everybody wants to be on the magnum. They want to be on the roller coaster of life, the excitement until accountability comes and God says, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to bring some things up in your life that are going to make you so weak that you want to give up. I want you to look around. Not just here. Look at churches across America. Look at pastors that have given up in the ministry that started with a thousand and they've closed the doors. I was going up 91. There's a for sale sign at a Baptist church on 91. For sale. For sale. Because people get weak and they give up. And here's what David did. In the midst of his weakness, he said, oh, no. It doesn't matter if I start off with a 1,000. If I have 800, 600, 400, 200, I'm taking them on by myself. I'm going to grab a sling and I'm going to grab five stones and I'm taking those giants down. And that's where we have a tendency to say, I'm done. See, we have expectations because we listen to our voice. I should... The outcome should be better than this. I should have a better job. I should have a better position. I should. I should. I should. I should. And what we need to stop and say is all that matters is what God wants for our life. That's it. But you can do it all with God. I, I just I love that part. of first Samuel. So in verse 9 it says, so David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook, so David continued the pursuit with 400 men. Now, all along the way they found an Egyptian man in a field and brought him to David. They gave him some bread to eat and water to drink. They also gave him a part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins, for he hadn't had anything to eat or drink for three days and nights before long his strength returned. I'm a little confused over this text. They gave him raisins and some bread, and he regained his strength. I should make a message on all you need is a couple of raisins and some bread. Jesus is the bread of life. So here is really where I see the paraphrase that because of Jesus, he gave him strength to become what he should be. Verse 13. To whom do you belong and where do you come from? David asked him. I'm an Egyptian, a slave in Amalekite, he replied. My master abandoned, abandoned me three days ago because I was sick. We're on our way back from raiding the Kerathites and Negev, the territory of Judah and the land of Caleb, and we had just burned Ziklag. Oh, hold on a minute. Wasn't that the place where David escaped to? And that's where his wife and his children and his material wealth, it's all he had. Oh, but they burn it to the ground? Will you lead me to this band of raiders, David asked. The young man replied, if you take an oath in God's name that you will not kill me or give me back to my master, then I will guide you to them. Verse 16. So he led David to them, and they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines in the land of Judah. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered All the flocks and herd, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. Then David returned to the brook, Bezor, and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him. They went out to meet David and his men, and David greeted them joyfully. But some evil evil troublemakers among David's men said, They didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and children. Tell them to be gone. But David said, no, my brothers. Don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe and helped us defeat the band of raiders that attacked us. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike. Those who go to the battle and those who guard the equipment. From then on, David made this a decree and regulation for Israel and is still followed today. When he arrived at Ziklag, David sent part of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends. Here's a present for you, taken from the Lord's enemies, he said. The gifts were sent to the people of the following towns David had visited. Bethel, Remeth, Negev, Jeter, Aror, Sipmoth, Esmethwa, Rascal, the towns of the Jeremelites, the towns of Kenites, Horam, Borash, and Attic. Hebron, and all the other places David and his men had visited. Here's where we move forward. We notice that sin gets in our lives. But I want to just kind of make it more personal, and then we'll we'll move into closing this message and, and bring it to a close today. Is it really worth it to you to leave everything that God has given you? Is it worth it to you to leave your family, your home, your church because you had a little disappointment here and there? Is it worth it to you to give up on God because you have felt the pressures of life come down on you? And things aren't turning out the way that you had anticipated or expected. God's there to give you a hope. And a future. Let us not think that one second that we can walk away from the Lord. And do so without consequences. There will be a price to pay. And God will have no trouble collecting that price from our lives. That is the clear lesson of Scripture, in Numbers thirty-two and in Psalms thirteen. Before you make a foolish decision to walk away from the Lord, consider the price that you might have to pay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. My daughter's making fun of me because it came out "God" for little English God this morning. The recovery from David's decision. David repented before the Lord, David relied upon the Lord, and David returned to the Lord. You can never, ever get where you need to go until you acknowledge your own sin in your own life. David finally acknowledged it, and once he finally repented, God blessed his life. Have you repented have you said, God, I know where I've done wrong. I know how I've wronged that person. I know I've taken my eyes off of you. I know I've lost my way. I don't share the gospel. I don't share your love. You know why? Because it's just not worth it to me anymore. Maybe you, you have been suffering financially. Maybe you've been suffering spiritually. Maybe you've been suffering, suffering physically. Mentally, emotionally. Give it back to God. Give him back what was his to begin with. And that's your life. Most of what we have learned from David has been a lesson in what a person should not do. But in the last passage that I read in chapter 30, David clearly shows us what we are supposed to do when we have allowed ourselves to walk away from the Lord. The first step in getting things right is repentance. Each and every one of us need to get before the Lord and deal honestly with our sin. When sin is confessed and handled God's way, he will forgive that sin and restore the fallen saint. That is a blessing because there is not a saint in this world who does not fall into sin from time to time. And this morning, if you have wandered away from God, You need to know that you can come home today and find complete forgiveness and complete restoration. Did you notice when I had read this morning the Lord's response to the repentance of David? David was out of God's will for 16 months. Then he falls down before the Lord and deals with his sin. Does God say... I'm sorry, David, but you have crossed the line. I have found someone new to be the king. Does he say I'm going to give you three months probation? You do all right. Then we'll talk about restoration. Does God say, well, I'll forgive you, but things can never be the same between us again. No, God does none of these things. When David calls out from a right spirit. The Lord instantly forgives, restores and communicates with David. God answers, and his answer is swift. His answer is sure, and his answer is accurate. What a blessing. There is an earthly price to pay for the sins we commit. But when God forgives, God forgives immediately, completely and eternally. Some people in this room need to experience that kind of grace today. So regardless of how smart we may be, regardless of how long we may have been saved, regardless of how high we may climb on the spiritual leadership ladder, we are all capable of making foolish decisions. And some folks in this room are in the process of doing that very thing this morning. And if you have been listening to your heart and it has been telling you lies, I urge you, I encourage you, and I suggest that you get to God and hear some truth before it becomes too late. Others have already begun the process of walking a path that is far different from the one God set your feet on when he saved you. I would suggest this morning that you get back before the price gets higher than you want to pay. And still, others are watching your world start to come apart, all because of some foolish decision you have made along the way. Some things may have to play out in your life, but you can still have your fellowship restored to the Lord today. There are probably some others who have never even been saved. And friend, you are headed for the rudest awakening of all. If you'll come to Jesus, He will save you and give you eternal life. So I'm going to ask you have you broke down or did you break through? Does God look at your life and say, That is a man after my own heart? That's a woman after my own heart. No matter what, they make me their first priority. No matter where they're at, what they're going through, if there's not anything in their cabinet, there's no food, there's no money in the bank account, I know they're going to come to me and they're going to cry out and I will provide for them because I'm their father. And I love them that much. Today. Breakthrough. Make a difference. Get back your relationship that you once had with him. Let's all stand as we pray. And I'm going to leave you with this thought. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to his voice and not your own. Get into the word. Get into a regular prayer life, a prayer habit. Turn from sin. Seek his face. And he'll heal you. He'll help you. And if you're the last man standing, it's all right. God's on your side. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, help us to just break through. Lord, so many of us have come to a place in in our life where we just want to give up. Lord, I stood in Columbus yesterday at a mall where there was so much Islamic influence from the Muslim world I've never seen before in my life. Christians have set back and they've given up because they do not believe the power that you have to help us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to protect us. So God, today in our weakness, we cry out to you. Give us a heart for souls, for others. Give us a heart For people Give us a heart To listen To you To your voice Of reasoning And not our own Thank you for A man That lived a life And even though there was sin You still strengthened You still listened And you showed grace Thank you Father Someone is here today that does not know you, may they come before you. May they lay their petitions before you, their requests before you. Free us, encourage us, and help us today. In your name we pray, and God's people said. Amen. Remain stay.